And welcome to Hacks on Drac, a podcast mini-series uh, discussing the legacy of Bram Stoker's iconic vampire novel. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. <laughs> and uh, and we're here for episode seven. We took a couple weeks off. Uh, we were doing some other stuff, but mm-hmm. we're, we're back together uh, to discuss today uh, Francis Ford Coppola's 1992 classic uh, Dracula. It's just called Dracula, right? Well, it's Bram, Bram, Bram Stoker's, Stoker's Dracula, Dracula is the full title. Which I feel like when this came out, it was like... As soon as you said, I remember telling people like, "Oh, I saw Dracula." They're like, "Which one, Bram Stoker's Dracula?" And like that was like just what you referred to it as this version. Yeah, well, it was funny because like I was, I remember I was when we were doing the uh, the Dan Curtis Dracula and Frank Langella Dracula episode that I looked up that the Dan Curtis Dracula was originally called Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, and when Francis Ford Coppola made this movie, he wanted it to be known that like, no, this is the one that's like Bram Stoker's book. This is Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> So he just like strong armed his way in and bought the rights to the name out from like the Dan Curtis movie. So they had to like rename the movie after the fact, uh, so which weird. makes it even sadder than it already is somehow. <laughs> Wait, the Dan Curtis one was the one with uh, that's the Jack, Jack Palance, Palance one. Right? Okay, where he where he just looks <laughs> nauseous and he dies in the most anticlimactic way ever. At the I believe end. we covered that in episode five. I, yeah, it was. Yeah, I think that's episode five. Yeah. yeah, and we also did our our live show at QED. We showed a clip where yes. where he flipped the table over. Yes, because we had a little show where we riffed on vampire porn to celebrate the release of our first episode in between these tapings. So for for those fun. of you tracking the history of our show, this is chronologically <laughs> where this episode takes place. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as we were saying, yeah, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Francis Ford Coppola. He wanted it to be known that this is the Dracula. That's like this is. Bram Stoker's Dracula. This is like when you. This is from the book. When you're watching this movie, this is like from the book to the screen. What happens? Yeah, there's. Despite the fact that it's very different. It is very different. Yeah, I didn't even realize because like I'd seen this movie a lot as a kid, but like I never realized until we started doing this show and it started digging so deep that like yeah for this thing and you watch all like the DVD features and everyone. This is like we were so dedicated to just trying to get the book right and to do right by Bram Stoker. But now that I have all this information in my head, now I'm like, no, you haven't. Like, yeah, well, it's weird because in a lot of ways, like in some ways, it, it is way more faithful than um, than anything we've seen. It's a lot this. more faithful than most, but it still takes a lot of liberties yeah, that I really the, change the story enough to where they shouldn't claim it's as true as it right. is. Right. I think the overall tone and like design and stuff it seems very faithful. Um, but story-wise, I mean, so much was added in and taken out. Yeah, and uh, and I like I I uh, I appreciate all the changes and choices that he made. Yeah, like it's. I mean, and you can you can kind of see uh, why things happen the way they do because I mean, as we've said before, like trying to make a straightforward adaptation of Dracula and mm-hmm. and at least like a standalone movie like is basically impossible. Yeah, you could maybe do like a limited miniseries or something and kind of get close, but as far as like if you're trying to make a movie called Dracula, you're not going to be able to adapt that fucking long rambly like journals and yeah, and I feel logs like- pieced together thing and turn it into a. A movie so you have to take some liberties and there has to be enough similarity to where the popcorn eating masses will go see it because this was yeah. a movie made by what studio made this uh columbia columbia so yeah so there's even though they're trying to make this artistic movie you've got a big studio behind you going like well people know that dracula is kind of like uh he's kind of sexy now right we had the frank langella dracula where he was sexy make this dracula should be a little sexy you know, you have Francis Ford Coppola there is like, but Dracula in the book's like a, a gross weirdo. So he's trying to find yeah. like mid-grounds in some ways. And... I mean, it is is kind of uh, best of both worlds in that, in that like he starts out as the old man and then, yeah. you know, transform into young, sexy Gary Oldman. But, yeah, uh, he has a lot of looks in this. But before we get too deep into yeah. all of that, I want to kind of talk because the past some of the few past few episodes we've done have been a little bit drier because they've been kind of movies that we've only seen for the first time for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like this one, I know is one that you have a lot of experience with. Yeah, as a child, this uh, was as you said, I think in our first episode, your first exposure to Dracula, right, or one um, of your earliest. It was one of the earliest, probably not the first, but it was. I remember seeing it in the theater, so definitely like the first. Uh, Dracula that I saw in the theater and I was only eight or nine years old I think when I saw it oh god like having just watched this again earlier today just imagine like a nine-year-old sitting yeah but I the late 80s and early 90s really were a different time for taking kids to movies oh absolutely (laughs) I mean my dad would just 
pretty much take us to see anything you really I'm gonna say, like up until about like 95 or 96 like you didn't really take your kids to go see movies you kind of just brought them along to whatever movie like you were going to go see yeah and then like just they yeah, had to yeah. like endure yeah and then they started making kids movies like entertaining for adults which is great because uh you know i got to see toy story 4 last weekend oh was it good yeah it's amazing <laughs> it's actually a really great movie <laughs> I think it's so weird that like Toy Story 4 is in the theater right now at the same time as like there's like a new Annabelle movie and then the Child's Play movie. So it's oh, all just like like living doll toys. movies. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. No, but um, I do feel like this version of Dracula kind of like was my first, like it opened up my eyes like, oh, Dracula's not just this, uh, like the Bela Lugosi type, Christopher Lee type, like kind of just old man with like widow's peak fangs and everything yeah and that there could be it was also it got me interested in reading the book because there was so much uh emphasis on this being like a really faithful adaptation of the book so um i think I, i'm pretty sure i read i think my brother and i got a copy of dracula after this movie came out and we both read it um but you know it's obviously very different from the book <laughs> yeah it's it's still it's still got a lot of changes there but this this can trip this movie kind of contributes a lot to pop culture and and how we perceive oh, dracula yeah. on its own you know like the i think the most iconic dracula from this is the like the beginning one where he has like the the white butt hair yeah the, yeah. <laughs> the hair that comes up into like a perfect butt on top of his head mm -hmm. and then he has like a weird like pretzel braid going down his back and it's so cool though it is really good design. Like, it, it's, I love it. it. Oh, he looks like so weird and freaky and everything. And like yeah. the, he's got like kind of like the old man makeup on, but it doesn't look too makeup y. And yeah, it's yeah. like it. And he's also not like he's not. Uh, I know we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll discuss his appearance and powers later. But um, he doesn't he does seem kind of youthful despite his age, you know, like yeah. the way he speaks and stuff like he doesn't seem like he's a necessarily a decrepit old man even though he looks like one well yeah because well yeah because he like feeds and that's how he mm -hmm. as keanu reeves says he's grown young uh -oh. i can't wait to discuss keanu reeves <laughs> like, keanu reeves is is uh troublesome for many reasons yeah. that we'll get into in a bit yeah. but yeah like the dracula from this i remember like you know when you watch like treehouse of horror like oh, the yeah. simpsons like and mr burns shows up and he's very clearly modeled Perfect. after this dracula yeah and his shadow moves after him and the the yeah, shadow yeah. moving like independently of dracula is kind of something that was inspired by i don't really recall seeing that in a lot of the other ones like you've got like Nosferatu where like the shadow is right. him and it's kind of like, you know, you see it and not, but, right, right. but I do like that, you know, where like Dracula turn, like, you know, there's that one shot it's... where Keanu Reeves is like looking at something, you see the shadow move away and he kind of turns toward where the shadows yeah. move and like Dracula pops up behind him. It's really cool. It's really well done. So um, yeah, so all that stuff is And there's a lot of neat. surreal elements in this movie too that are like, I think are great. Yeah. Like just really great interpretations of the book. Totally, um, totally. Yeah, my experience with this movie is like I I only rewatched it for this. I mean, like a, a night or two ago, oh. and it's it's one of those movies where I'd like seen it a lot growing up, but mm -hmm. like it's kind of like I said before. Uh, we were taping this is kind of one of those movies that just kind of comes on tbs a lot it feels like or yeah. tnt like in the 90s and you just like see it in 20 minute clips and over the course of many years you've seen dracula yeah and uh so like this is like one of the i think this is like maybe the second time i've seen it all the way through uh for this so that's that's kind of my experience with it going into this mm -hmm. uh so yeah so now that we've got all that out of the way we can talk a little bit about i guess kind of the production history sure of this movie because yeah francis ford coppola wanted to to do this and actually i thought it was interesting that this this movie came about because of godfather 3 like this is the one good thing to come out of the of godfather 3 probably one of francis ford coppola's uh, least well uh, looked upon movies Which, you know i watched that recently it really is a bad as i saw it for the first time recently uh i've seen the first two a lot but the third one's really bad yeah <laughs> it's like not it's a good movie i think i've seen it like literally once and i'm like blocking it all out of my brain it's, like it's it starts out fine but then as it goes on it's just like what am i even watching like why would they even make this you can and but the best part is you can just ignore it and just you know godfather yeah. saga ends with part two yeah well that's the one where like francis ford coppola like and this is kind of like a theme that goes on into dracula where he starts like inserting more and more of his family into his movies like regardless of their skills for certain yeah. things and look i love sofia coppola as a director she's not a good actress <laughs> like, and she really does like 
make that movie bad but that's another that's another podcast that's a that's a story for another day um um, but anyway, yeah, so Winona Ryder was supposed to be in Godfather 3. Mm-hmm. I think she was actually supposed to be the she Sofia Coppola be, role. Yeah, she backed out last minute. I think, yeah, and she backed out last minute. So and she's she, like, my daughter, she can do it. <laughs> yeah, so he just he just threw her in there. But Winona Ryder felt bad about backing out of it, so she uh, had like a lunch or dinner or something mm-hmm. with Francis Ford Coppola and brought the script for this to his attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, And... According to this is all off Wikipedia I'm reading, but it's all has citations next to it. So I'm going to assume it's true that uh, Coppola was attracted to the sensual elements of the screenplay. And I saw this in a interview. He said that he wanted portions of the picture to resemble an erotic dream. Oh, so he sense. was just kind of attracted to, to that sort of thing. And then as I guess he started meditating on it more and more, he's kind of like, yeah, there hasn't been like a Dracula movie that's been like really, really close to the, the source material. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, Francis Ford Coppola has a very fundamentally different view of, of Dracula, I think, than, than Bram Stoker does, kind of. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because this is another one where this isn't the first movie to have done this, as I think a lot of people claim to it, but this is the most notable one that... Uh, unites fictional Dracula with with with, with real life Dracula yeah. and kind of makes them the same person. I think the Dan Curtis Dracula did that one like five seconds after they he was stabbed did. on the table by they, going up to a painting of him. Yeah, and there's also well, I think they reference it earlier on in the movie, but then the movie ends and I think there's just like a title card that's yeah, there's a title Vlad. card over that <laughs> shitty painting of him that says that he was actually Vlad the Impaler the whole time. Yeah, but that um. That, was that the first one? I feel like there was another version we watched that mentioned Vlad the Impaler. Was there... I know there's been, like, some in the past that have, like, mentioned, you know, like, the kind of, like, the general kind of military action of that area because, right. as we've said many times on this podcast, like, Bram Stoker didn't really give a shit about real Dracula. He mm-hmm. kind of thought Dracula was a was a neat name. Mm-hmm. And he thought some of the history was kind of neat, I guess. You know, there's those scenes in the book where he's talking to Jonathan Harker and he's going through, like, the whole history of, like, wars in the region. Yeah. So it's, like, got an influence but real life dracula is very very different from from fictional dracula and basically every other sense of the word and uh yeah i mean this is probably the first one that uh shows him as flat the impeller and it's and it's the most mainstream one too because again like the dan curtis one was made for like what british television probably i think it was yeah something like that so it was so unless you're like a like a british person or like a like a dracula hipster like us you you uh didn't have that yet so well there was that other remember we found that other christopher lee dracula movie that's right yeah Um, i watched it i think i already mentioned this on this yeah we we talked about on the Werner herzog one that it's that it's uh, kind of dry yeah it's odd um i'm pretty sure that one mentions vlad the impeller okay okay so Um, there's there's some president for it but this is definitely the the most notable one this is like you know the movie starts with like a good five minutes of him at war yeah this has like a prologue where he's in like this big like dog looking armor yeah and it's like amazing i've seen that armor in person and they had it at the museum of moving image oh shit Um, it's it's badass it (laughs) looks it looks so cool in the movie like all the costumes in this movie look great and that was something when i was reading um, about when they were making the movie i was reading about i was watching like a behind the scenes on the blu-ray featurette where they were talking about how like he really wanted the costumes to kind of be more of the sets of this movie how he yeah. wanted the how like at the beginning when they were talking about making he almost kind of wanted it to take place in like black voids almost and uh-huh. to have just like the costuming be what told the story where it's almost like you're like watching like a black box theater kind of yeah as a, and of course like you know he's dealing with the major studios they're like yeah, you can't film entirely in a black void but you can still tell like the, the sets are more or less subdued like even dracula's castle mm-hmm. which is pretty accurate to the book i feel like when you look at it it's not like over the top. Like it's yeah. it's exactly what the book describes it as, and kind of nothing more, nothing less. It serves the purpose it needs to serve, but it's not trying to be big and iconic and flashy and showy like the Hammer one or the Universal right. one or you know. Yeah, I'm just looking at the awards. It, it did win best uh, costume design at the Oscars. Yeah, this is the only Dracula movie that we're gonna review that's won an Oscar. So oh, wow. that's that's a a thing that this movie did. And, yeah. uh, but God, yeah, the costumes are so great. Like, uh, I remember like my favorite costume that pops up for five seconds that I love is when Jonathan Harker gets off the carriage and there's like, and he gets handed the cross and there's some lady that closes the door and she's just wearing like a cage around her head that mm-hmm. has like a beaded curtain, like in front, like she's just wearing like a personal beaded curtain, like around her head yeah. and she just pops up for a second to close this carriage door and she goes away and it's like, <laughs> all right, like <laughs> something neat to pop up for a minute. Yeah. 
and I know that I think the the carriage driver you don't see his face at all but it actually was Gary Oldman. It was Gary Oldman, yeah. yeah. You you found like they they released production photos. I think on like Twitter like someone like posted production photos not that long ago and it's yeah and there's it's Gary Oldman definitely like posing mm-hmm. in all the armor. Yeah. Yeah, he's wearing his uh his ring wraith cosplay to drive the <laughs> the carriage. Yeah. Which is a which is a cool way to do. It. I mean, he's like scary when he shows up and he pulls Jonathan Harker oh, yeah, into the carriage. His arm like stretches way way out, which I found yeah. out they did in camera by like having him on like a swivel crane. Oh wow! Because, I just assumed that was like CGI or something. Yeah. Oh no, there's no CGI in this movie. In fact, really. In fact, here's a, a crazy ass fact about this movie. Not only is there no CGI in this movie, all the effects are practical. But not only are all the effects practical, all the effects are done in camera. So because, there was nothing like superimposed over. No, it was like every effect was done by like they would like shoot the like film like one way with like part of the film like not exposed and part uh-huh. of it exposed. And then they like run it all through again, like film something else like on top of it. Oh, that's really and then, cool. Because they wanted to make the movie kind of the way that like movies were made around the time that Dracula was made. Well, and in fact, in the movie Dracula, they go to go see a movie together. Mm-hmm. And there's many points in the movie where there's like brief interludes where it looks like it's shot with an old timey camera. And that's because it was shot with an actual old timey camera from that time period. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, CGI probably would have horribly dated this movie oh yeah especially well i mean yeah <laughs> like 1992 i mean though it, it was a big year for cgi i mean terminator 2 was out at that time so yeah. it's crazy that like a move you're existing at the same time as like terminator 2 and jurassic park where there's like this groundbreaking cgi happening that still doesn't look terrible today and uh, you're in you terminator 2 hasn't aged super well jurassic okay. park jurassic park is it, aged. it holds up but yeah. you could tell that it's gotten a lot better over the yeah. years but like it, that has more well, I, I guess jurassic park with... may have been like a year or two later i don't know yeah, my timing might be a tad Spielberg off there. just knew how to film CGI on that scale. Yeah, and like, make sure it's just yeah. raining all the time, and that way you <laughs> can't tell how bad everything looks. Um, it worked though. But, but yeah, yeah, I feel like in in like a Dracula movie, like they would have gone overboard with like him morphing and and stuff. And yeah, yeah, it could have been really bad. And he intentionally like wanted it done on like sound stages and everything completely because mm-hmm. like he because again he was trying to honor that like you know like 1900 was around the time that like film was kind of like coming on the scene and becoming sort of mass consumed people would go to like see movies played and in fact there's a scene where dracula's talking to winona Ryder in this movie and they go together to go see a movie where it's like i guess it's like a nickelodeon or something uh-huh. equivalent to that where you know you like throw like a nickel in and you watch like a stupid movie where like a train comes at like the camera or something i don't know jump out of the way whatever they watched back then but <laughs> <laughs> and uh and yeah so it's like uh like the scene where the there's like the where Jonathan Harker's on the train and there's like the miniature of the train and then like his diary is like taking up most of the frame. That was all done in camera. They build like a giant diary and then had like a train like running kind of perspective wise, like in the background, like a model train. They all filmed it at the same time. That's incredible. And it's, yeah. So like in, that makes like shots like where, you know, like the green fog creeps along mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, when they shine a light on Dracula and he just turns into a bunch of bats that are like people or a bunch of rats rather that are people shaped and then it all just like falls apart. Yeah. It makes all that like so much more impressive when, you know, it was all done like in camera somehow. Yeah. I'm just reading here that he actually fired the original visual effects. Yeah. Team. His son did those visual effects. So he's, he's one for one on nepotism <laughs> in films. <laughs> he put uh, his daughter in, in one and it didn't work out. And then he put his son on visual effects for this. And uh, I think he did a good job. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Um, man, they must've been, that team must've been so pissed though. <laughs> like hired him and they're like, no, what you want to do, what you want to achieve is impossible. And then he's like, all right, well, I'll get my son to do it. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. I'm Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know much about Coppola, but I can only imagine that he's a fucking nightmare to work with. I, I can imagine that. Yeah. Like, in in fact, like, uh, there's like weird stories about like the rehearsals from this where it's like he, cause he had like rehearsals where like everybody Mm-hmm. was like you know like they rehearsed all together like at once like it was a play almost which is kind of not heard of in like a big major motion picture you know thing being filmed you know around 1990 or so yeah and uh you know he had, and like he made it to where like everyone on the crew could like suggest like if something wasn't true enough to the book they could like suggest in ways to make it truer to the book but like everyone started twisting it around where they could just get more scenes in the movie yeah yeah and uh and the weird scene where like Anthony Hopkins dances with Winona Ryder and like snips her, that was something that Anthony Hopkins specifically requested to put in the film, Ooh. which I believe 100% because he yeah. seems like a weirdo. Oh, weird, creepy old man. So, yeah. You so know what's weird? Like, he, 
I don't know. He seems like he's been 80 for like ever. Yeah, he's been old for like since I was like a, a kid, you know, like it's he's going to be one of those people that like when he passes away, it's just going to be like so unexpected because he's just like old forever. It was like when Leslie Nielsen died. Yeah. And I was so sad because it's just like he literally looked old since like the I 70s. Know. Well, he's Anthony Hopkins is 81 now. So that means what this was uh, almost 30 years ago. So he wasn't really that old in this. Yeah, he's just looked old for, for forever. Yeah. So yeah, so Francis Ford Coppola, I don't know if he was ever like directly creepy, but he kinda had like atmospheres where like weirdness kinda happened and he would mm-hmm. and there's like definitely like shots where he's like getting in fights with like Gary Oldman on the set and stuff, and it's it's so funny to watch like because there's like footage from like the Blu-rays where like uh Francis Ford Coppola is trying to get like Gary Oldman to do something. He's in that like full body bat thing. Yeah. And it's just so hilarious watching a man in a giant prosthetic <laughs> bat costume just like stand there with like his arms crossed just being like so I'm am I walking too fast? What do you want me I, to do? Like I love that. I love like production <laughs> photos or like footage of like people in ridiculous costumes like just standing around. <laughs> just like hanging set. out. There's like that, you know, there's like that photo that gets passed around on the internet a lot of Tim Curry dressed as Pennywise the clown, but he's got like uh He's just like sitting on the deck. He's he's got like an umbrella and he's got like a like a cloth over him and he has a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, it's Tim Curry. <laughs> we should start we could talk a little bit about like what's different from the book because like they try because yeah francis ford coppola and all the interviews and all the press and everything for this like positive that this is the adaptation of dracula this is how we're doing it but right but it is framed as like uh like a love story between vlad and his wife yeah um, well, like, it was funny because, like, the one interview I watched, he's like, yeah, we, we wanted to make something true to Dracula and portray Dracula as he's always been, which we feel is like a tragic figure who's, like, kind of Christ-like. And I was like, what? Like, Yeah, but... Like, he's, like, fallen I mean, from grace by and all everything. Accounts, like Vlad the Impaler was, like, a horrible, horrible person. And yeah, would, like, like, torture people and stuff. No, so it yeah, a like, little... It's a little weird to say, like, yeah, he's a tragic Yeah, that I'm going to take this fictional character, combine him with a real-life monster, and then try to make (laughs) him, like, sympathetic somehow, like... Who, by the way, I mean, the fictional character is also kind of a monster. Yeah, the fictional character is is totally a monster, as we've said many times. He's, like, a creep from, like, minute one in the book. Like, he shows up, and he's got, like, the weird, like, because how he's portrayed in the book, he's got, like, a mustache and Mm -hmm. a unibrow, and they don't quite get that look right. He kind of has, like, the mustache later on when he's young, when he's grown young. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but like, at the beginning when he's introduced, he has just, like, the butt hair and he looks kind of different in there. Yeah. And that's, you know, I guess them trying to play with the studio to kind of find, like, a compromise. Like, we need our Dracula to look kind of like Dracula some of the time uh-huh. so so some normal people can, can latch on to this, maybe. Yeah, I still remember Entertainment Weekly had, like, an article about all of Dracula's different looks in this. And, like, you know, they showed him as Vlad. They showed him with the butt hair. They showed him <laughs> as a bat, as a wolf. Yeah, he has a That's lot of different looks and everything. Most of the adaptations we've talked about, Dracula has like one or two looks for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's usually kind of his tuxedo-y kind of deal with the the big cape. Yeah, and like he, the Frank Langella was very suave and yeah, and he had like the it's like a Playboy. Yeah, he had like yeah, he had like a very big cape back, and he had like the mm-hmm. pop collar and everything unbuttoned, and he he looked like Elvis as Dracula kind of, and and everyone and like yeah, the costumes were more or less. I mean, they change a little bit here and there, but it is basically like Dracula has just like one look for the movie. Yeah. And I do like in this that he has like many looks because Dracula, one of the good things about Dracula, even in the book, is that he's like he's like Freddy Krueger. He's like a monster with a personality kind of. Yeah. And, you know, when you kind of make it to where he changes appearances a little bit, it makes him seem less just kind of like a one dimensional. Right. Kind I of mean, just like horror monster, and, you know. And he's, you know, he's a shapeshifter in the book. So it doesn't make yeah. sense for him to always look the same yeah and until he turns into like a bad like animated bat for two seconds right. and then but you do have to wonder if dracula starts getting young because he's drinking blood then but he's also a shapeshifter so couldn't if he wanted to just always look young well like well or that's a this... good question i mean like it's i mean is it just that he can turn a different species but like his youth is just like dependent on that like if he's yeah. if he shapeshifts to a wolf and he hasn't eaten yet will he be an old an wolf, old wolf. <laughs> and then when he like eats someone will he then turn into like a young wolf i mean will he turn into like a baby pup will he just turn into like a puppy slowly yeah, and then right? just, like i mean they do i mean if you do look at the designs of him as a bat and as a wolf like they could be as old as he's supposed to be but he's like 400 years old right yeah 
Yeah, so yeah, was we said yeah, he has a, a bunch of different like normal costume looks and then he has like these prosthetic y looks where he's like, yeah, he shapeshifts into a wolf and there's like a great like get up where he's all prosthetic up and like wolf yeah. He looks very kind of American werewolf in London. Yeah, it's awesome. And that one, he looks great. He busts through a window at one point mm-hmm. in, that, in that getup, I think, and uh, which is from the book, and that's cool to see, finally. Uh, he has his, his bat thing, Yeah, which is when they find him. Like I thought this movie was interesting because this is the only movie we've seen where he sleeps somewhere else besides his boxes because at one point they enter, and they're going through his boxes to destroy him, and they look up, and he's like in his like yeah. bat thing, and he's like sleeping upside down <laughs> on the ceiling like it's Lost Boys or something. It's cool, though. Oh, it looks very cool, but it makes no sense with the rest of the story because his whole deal is that he's supposed to, he's only supposed to be able to sleep in boxes filled with his native earth and they, and they get that detail right. And they even get like his 10 houses, right? I don't know if he has 50 boxes that he brings with him. Like I don't think it's 50, but yeah, but he has a lot of boxes. They do specifically mention the boxes and they go out of their way to destroy him uh, like in that. But yeah, so he has, so does he have any other like, uh, like prosthetic looks? He's got the wolf one. He's got the bat one. Is well, that all for those? That, pretty much. And then, yeah, I mean... And then he just has, like, his different costume looks where he's got his, his butt hair appearance. When he's young in London, he's got, like, the top hat. He's got the top hat, the, the sunglasses, and the he's very kind of Interview with a Vampire looking yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. If, was Interview with a Vampire before or after It was this? a couple years after. Okay. Well, but, then maybe uh, Interview probably, with a Vampire ripped this off. Well, yeah, probably... It, that movie probably only got made because this was so popular. That is true. Imagine. Even though the, the Interview with the Vampire books were always... Uh, I think those were always pretty like they had a cult audience oh yeah and that's and you can feel the the influence of the interview with the vampire books on like the frank langella dracula yep, because definitely. uh because of that kind of thing yeah um so yeah so he has his top hat look he has his ring wraith cosplay that he wears to drive the carriage mm-hmm. he's got um <laughs> um oh his look at the end where he's like he's got real old he looks like he's he's uh like the bad guy from yeah. big trouble in little china kind of yeah, like yeah. he's got like his big like red <laughs> robe on and like the long kind of stringy hair yeah totally um, yeah, he's got a lot of different looks in this. Yeah, this oh, and is, then he's got his beginning look where he's in his dog armor and he's got the long right. hair and the beard, which and is it, cool. This looking. was definitely the first movie I ever recognized. Like, you know, reading after, like, oh, it's Gary Oldman, and thinking like he was just like this unknown actor. I think he, he'd probably been in a. Well, he was Sid Vicious. I he think. was Sid Vicious, I think, um, at this point. Um, and that was a while before this, but this was like his first. I think this was like his first mainstream. This is kind of like what sent him into the big time. I'm trying to, I'm looking at like Gary Oldman's filmography to see if there was anything else big that happened before this. Yeah, this is like, I remember. Yeah, this is, I guess this is what kind of broke him big. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, he's been in a million movies since then. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, True Romance was right after this. Uh, The Professional. These are those those are all after though. Yeah, and Gary Oldman definitely I think does a good job of bringing his own take to Dracula that's unique from everyone else's and yeah because that's something that like you notice after a while too is that people really struggle to do their own thing with Dracula because everyone wants to revert to the Bela Lugosi one right and it's not helped that most of them are dressed like the Bela Lugosi one <laughs> kind of too so it's your 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 instinct is to want to do that. Yeah. I mean, Gary Oldman is great in this. Don't get me wrong, but there are a couple scenes where it's like really over the top. Oh, like yeah. when he flips out on Harker for like, Oh, when he like giggles about his family and yeah, he like yeah, bring, yeah. He, pulls <laughs> he pulls a sword, sword out, out and like whips it around his head. Like he's doing like skip it. Yeah. I love it, but it's a little like, all right. <laughs> My favorite is like when he's reading the letter that Dracula gave him and he's just at the end, he's like, your friend. D. D. <laughs> 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 Yeah, there, there's a lot of scenery chewing by everybody in this movie. Yeah, um, yeah, like, that's what like kind of bothers me about them. Like, so many critics were going after Keanu Reeves for his performance in this movie. It's like, yeah, everybody's but, over the top. Yeah, everyone's like, a little. Over Keanu the top. Reeves is just the most obnoxious because he can't quite nail the accent. Yeah, it's and the accent. Because he's still it's, very Southern California. I think this is the movie that eventually just made Keanu Reeves transition a new Keanu Reeves. Like, this mm-hmm. is... Because when you talk about Keanu Reeves, there's two very distinctive Keanos. Yeah, there's, there's, like, like there's Keanu, Keanu, then yeah. there's, like, the, the stone face kind of Matrix and beyond Keanu. Right. And I think this is the movie that created that because he got, like, so raked through the coals for his portrayal in this. <laughs> and, like, right after this, I think, is, like, when speed it happens oh, and, right. like, all that kind of stuff. Like, Man, that's the thing that bothers me about, like everyone's saying like i've always liked keanu reeves even though like even with this movie where everyone's like oh he's a bad actor he's like well he was miscast i don't know 
Well, I mean, there's a couple things where it's like, this was like a weird phase in Keanu's career where even though he was still very much in his like, whoa, bro, like they were mm-hmm. putting him in like movies that he kind of didn't belong in. Like he was in, I think he was in Much Ado About Nothing around this oh, time period, like the, yeah. the Kenneth Branagh adaptation and everyone I mean, was just like, probably, why? Well, <laughs> like, he probably just really didn't want to be typecast as like, the oh dude, because he did play that kind of role in a few movies before even Bill and Ted. Oh yeah, like, I mean, he was like kind of that character in Parenthood yeah, when Parenthood he shows up. And, but... um, there's a movie called I Love You to Death with Kevin Klein. It's not good. It's like a really <laughs> bad comedy, but he plays the same kind of yeah. role. So yeah, this was probably him being like, I don't want to be a, a dude the rest of my life. Yeah. But when he says he's grown young, that's like, I think that's like my favorite line in the entire movie. You know, I'm going to drop that clip of him saying that right here. He's grown young. Uh, that was funny. There you okay. go. Let's listen to it 10 more times. Yes. He's grown young. 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 That was amazing. Okay. And now 20. No, I'm kidding. Uh but yeah, like, yeah, he's chewing the scenery. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is like completely oh, yes. unhinged in this movie. Like, yes. Jesus Christ. Like, he imp- is a very good Van Helsing, though. He is a good Van Helsing. It, it's kind of like weird to see him because he's like, in a lot of the movies we've watched, like Renfield, like when he's present, he's kind of more the comic relief character because he's kind of goofy. We'll have to get into. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, uh, Anthony Hopkins. But Anthony Hopkins in this one is kind of like the comedic relief almost. In a little a way. bit. Yeah. Because in some of the adaptations we've seen up to this point, like it's, and in the original book, he's more kind of just like, kind of like he's comedic relief and yeah. a little bit because he's so kind of divorced from what's happening. He's so clinical. He's kind of like Egon Spangler a little bit. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah, and a lot few adaptations that we watched, he is kind of like not in this one so much, but he, you know, Van Helsing does become the star in quite a few. Yeah. Well, and you get to a point too where it's like he's not just like a doctor that's helping; it's like he's Dracula's nemesis. Yeah. He is the vampire hunter. You know, when you get to like the Hammer movies, and you get to like, uh, like even the Frank Langella one did that a little bit, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like it's in that he is just like seriously into the occult and occult matters, which originally Van Helsing was just like a doctor of a lot of things, and mm-hmm. he just kind of happened to know about occult stuff too. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't specifically like a like a spooky guy kind of. Yeah. And some of the adaptations we've seen since then have kind of tried to turn him into that. So this this kind of tries to make him more like the book, but again, you kind of see the influence of studios being like, well, people know Van Helsing is the the big vampire hunter. So like you have that scene at the beginning where Gary Holman's going through his thing. And for some reason, Anthony Hopkins also plays the old priest at the beginning. Oh, you're like, that's right. you're like, wait, so like our, is like Van Helsing's family, like God, been like foes with Dracula for like forever. Or are they kind of like tied by some weird right, blood well, thing? Because Winona Ryder also plays, and it Winona Ryder, yeah, yeah, plays her. But that's part of the plot, and that's been a part yeah. of a few Dracula adaptations where, like, Dracula like falls in love with his fiance because she looks like right, his right. love. And As a kid, I gotta say, it was very confusing <laughs> to see yeah. all the same actors. Just but playing it people, yeah. Like... 400, 500 years earlier. talk about just kind of everybody in general because this is i think the first adaptation we've seen that has all the characters from the book in it as far as like your main cast goes all of her suitors are in it all all of the this suitors are in it yeah because yeah like in the book you know there's there's arthur homewood there's quincy morris the texan who i think this i think this is the only movie we've seen that's had him in it i think i think you're right it's usually just arthur or um it's usually just arthur or uh Harker or uh-huh. Renfield, who's like taking the place of Harker. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, like people usually always admit Quincy, which in defense of most adaptations, like Quincy does kind of do the least in the book. Right. He has his moments here and there and he serves his function. But if you're trying to boil things down, he's definitely like the most expendable one. Yeah. For and, sure. And Arthur is played by uh, Carrie Ells. Arthur's played by <laughs> Carrie Ells and Quincy. Ooh. Oh, wait, what? Carrie, he's British, right? Carrie Ells. Is he? I thought he was. I'm not sure. What is he? Is. He's, he's just one of those actors that's like terrible at accents. Because, like, even like in the Saw movie, was he more than one? He might have been. Um, he, he was in the first and the last one because there's that bad twist at the very, very end where it turned out that his character was like behind it all the whole oh, time. God. Spoilers for the Saw franchise, I, but I just saved you 20 hours I think of your I life. Gave up on that movie You're welcome. Saw 2. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's about the time when everyone should have quit. But, uh, yeah, Carrie Ells is in this and he's. Another one, he's not a, I like people give 
Keanu Reeves shit. Like, I think Carrie Ells should get a lot more shit because he's really not a very good actor. Well, Carrie Ells is just so, like, he just kind of, like, blends into the scenery. Like, he, he does what needs to be done in the movie. He serves mm-hmm. his function, but he doesn't stand out in any way. Like, yeah, yeah, Keanu, yeah. like, everyone else is so over the top and wacky, and I think that's why they get more kind of attention. Yeah. Even, like, Winona Ryder, who usually gets slammed for kind of movie she's in because her acting is kind of here or there depending on what area you catch her in and this is kind of like she does fine in this but because she's not like he's grown young or you know like van helsing like sniffing people and like cackling in people's faces like they kind of get overlooked because there's weirder bigger shit happening on on the screen yeah but yeah carrie carrie he does he does fine but no yeah he he definitely doesn't like elevate that role or anything. No. And you get when you're watching him and Quincy on the screen, you're like, yep, I get why a lot of movies kind of just do away with you guys because yeah, yeah. you're here and I get that the thing, but <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not doing too, too much. Uh, and, and Quincy's played by Billy Campbell, Campbell. The, the Rocketeer. The Rocketeer. Yes. I think this is the only other movie I can think of that I've seen Billy Campbell in. He hasn't been in a lot. He's a which the Rocketeer is such a great movie. If you've never seen the Rocketeer, please go Ooh, find it and watch it. That's another movie I saw in a theater. So great! It should have it should have found an audience. It came out in that same era with like the Shadow movie and like the Phantom oh, movie. God. Yeah, it was and, after like, Bat- it was like the post Batman superhero boom. After Batman, when people instead of adapting actual superheroes, everyone went people like Batman. So you know what we should start adapting weird pulp heroes yeah. from the thirties. The Phantom. <laughs> yeah, the Phantom. Phantom the Shadow. All that um, kind of stuff. The Rocketeer. So, but yeah, uh, and uh, so Renfield in this one, Renfield, played oh, by yeah. played Tom Waits, Tom Waits, and uh, very memorable performance, I would say. Yeah, he he goes like I don't know so much if he's just acting or Francis Ford Coppola is just like Tom, just be as Tom Waitsy as you can, and that'll be just fine with us. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he goes full weights in this, full weights. He's contorting his body. He's yeah. like doing his weird like low voice, and he's doing his like. And he eats quite a few bugs on camera, I believe, right? Yeah. Which, have they shown that? I'm. Oh God, I'm not sure if they have. Maybe the Herzog one does, but I like this one's Maybe. obviously way more graphic and like yeah. In face. Well, yeah, like <laughs> we can just assume because yeah, the Herzog one has all the just didn't give a shit about animals in general that they wouldn't have had a problem with doing that if they. If they did, but yeah, I, I I can't recall off the top of my head another one. Like he's definitely like caught it flies and stuff before, yeah, but yeah, yeah, he definitely like you see on camera him put shit in his mouth like right there and chew it up and swallow it and yeah. And because Francis Ford Coppola in this movie was so big on like we got to do this all in camera, I'm sure like he probably like actually did it. I don't know. <laughs> or if there, or I don't know if there's like fake flies. Can you can you still say like no animals were harmed in making this movie if you eat a fly? Do like, flies for... fall under that? I don't know. <laughs> If someone works for the the Hollywood yeah, I mean, Herzog, animal rights people, Herzog please got a lot of shit us. for the treatment of rats in Nosferatu. Yeah, so. and just like yeah, like he had his animal rights like person like quit the movie over that and yeah. how the horses were handled, which he wouldn't get into detail. But you do see a dead horse later in that movie, so yeah. you can make some guesses. Um, but yeah, like I like, yeah, he's, yeah, he goes full Tom Waits in this and mm-hmm. he's like kind of all over the place and he's, he's got like his costume. He's got like these like weird, like, yeah. like metal things coming off his he's arm. He's in like a straight jacket for part of it. At least. He's in a straight jacket for part of it. But like, I know at the very beginning, like he's got like, and I think in the documentary I read, they said that like when they're doing his costuming, they were trying to like ev- evoke kind of like an insect, like kind of mm-hmm. look for it. That makes sense. So yeah. like, yeah, he has like these weird wire things going up his arm and to his fingers, which I don't know what purpose that serves in the movie. <laughs> like what kind of mental health care function that having just like wires going from each individual finger, like, like, uh, like rigid wires that like kind of like stand up off your hand and then like yeah. go back into your arm. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah, what kinda, does that do? I'm kind of surprised that Tom Waits didn't, like, could, did he, he didn't do any music for this, did he? Uh, no. It just seemed like, it, like, today, like, it, it would be absolutely insane if Tom Waits didn't release a single along with the movie. Is that a thing he does? Because, I mean, like, I've seen him pop up as Not an actor him. in a couple other things. I just, and it's... I just mean, usually, like, when they have a musician in a movie these days, like, oh, yeah, they contribute they... a song. Oh, Especially yeah. if they're, like, a hip-hop artist or something. Oh, totally. Could you imagine a Tom Waits song about Dracula? <laughs> Dracula, <laughs> my Betty Sue was taken by a vampire. Oh, Gonna take her down, eating on an empire. Umpires, I don't know. Yeah, 
that's we just did every Tom Waits song. So that was pretty spot on. Um, um, I'm also reading just in the cast list here. Monica Bellucci was one of Dracula's brides. I, I noticed that. I didn't notice that while watching this. That's so weird. Well, I noticed she looked familiar, and I was kept meaning to look up later who yeah. she was. But yeah, like yeah, the the uh, heroine of uh, the James Bond film, The World Is Not Enough, which is how everyone should identify her on site. I know her uh, more from uh, God. There's this Italian movie she's great in, um, Melina. That's it great italian romantic comedy doesn't she show up in the matrix sequels yeah she's in the second and third one like she hangs out with the weird albino twins yeah (laughs) not that being albino makes you weird just so our listeners know but it's just in that movie yeah they're weird yeah they're Um, they're weird guys um but yeah yeah the yeah the the cast is pretty pretty star-studded and and there and i don't think Aside from Keanu Reeves, maybe there's no one there that really I think is like doing like a disservice to the character. Or feels like they're like phoning it in. Like everyone seems like they're trying, you know. Yeah, at and least. even and, Keanu Reeves, I appreciate. He's also not really in the movie a whole lot. Yeah, he's he, in the very beginning and then like towards the end. But yeah, well, it's kind of accurate to the book. He's kind of at yeah. the beginning, then he just like vanishes for a while, and uh, and his hair turns white, and his hair does turn white, which always like. It looks like such an obvious wig at the very end, right? It like really does. It looks yeah. like they found like an Andy Warhol costume like somewhere else in the building. Like, oh God, there's Here, this... Keanu, we found this white wig. There's so many movies, like just off the top of my head, where like I can think of where people see something super scary and it turns their hair white. And I don't. Does that actually happen? Is that a real thing? I think if you like, if you like, experience like sustained trauma, like over like a long period of time, it would probably start to change. I mean, like, like he, a strip of like, like when you look at like how presidents age, you know, like it's yeah. like something like that. But I don't think like one singular experience could yeah, turn like, your hair like white. Between this Poltergeist, uh, Rogue, and X Men, um, yeah, that's been in a lot of things where like people's uh, it, the original it, like Henry Bowers. Yeah, like, it's, it's like it's such like a common thing. I was like, I can't. Even... Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, that happens to Nancy. Yeah, yeah totally. We should add that. To, uh, we're gonna go on the TV tropes website after this podcast <laughs> is done and make sure that that's if that is on there. Super scary. I did, but I remember my mom. I was like, "Why did his hair turn white?" My mom's like, "Oh, he saw. He was really terrified, so his hair turned white." Yeah. I was like, "Does that really happen?" Well, I mean, it's a little bit more excusable in this because I mean, like in true kind of book Dracula fashion, like Dracula. Uh, like this takes place over a longer period of time. Like most of the adaptations we watch take place over, it feels like like a week or a month or something. Everything is very close together. Like Dracula shows up and then like Lucy dies and then yeah. like everything. But this one's like really drawn out and you do get a, a sense that like Jonathan's been gone for a while. Yeah, yeah. He's totally. been down in the in a pirate dungeon surrounded by like sexy vampires. He has sex with the vampires in this too, right? I think he does, yeah. yeah. Like it's and it's this, so funny because like it's because like he's been kidnapped and like Winona Ryder's like, I'm so worried about him and it cuts back to him and you're expecting him to be like captive somewhere, but he's literally just like in the middle of like a vampire orgy yeah, and he yeah, just like yeah. looks distraught, kind of. Uh I think it's safe to say this is the first Dracula adaptation with nudity. Is I think right? you might be right. Yeah. <laughs> I had to think for a second. Thinking back like I don't think any of that. As far as like an adaptation of the original story goes, yes. I think some of the Christopher Lee sequels probably, probably had did, boobs yeah. in them. Yeah. Because they were made by Hammer in the seventies and you they can't really count those though. Yeah, but as far as as far as like a mainstream, yeah, adaptation of just the, the Dracula story, yes, I think this is the first one that, that has boobs in it. Yeah. Um, can we talk about how kind of different Dr. Seward is in this one? Sure. Because yeah. he, he dresses like a pirate. I want to bring that up. <laughs> like he's wearing like a weird flowy. Who played? Oh, Richard Grant played him. Yeah. And uh, and he's like addicted to morphine, which they don't really touch upon too much. There's just like one or two weird scenes where he's just like recording his notes and he just like he's just like also shooting up. And you're like, oh, is that yeah. going to become like a plot yeah, thing yeah. later? And then nothing happens with it. Yeah. Does he do the? They do the blood transfusion in this one. They right? do do the blood transfusion yeah. in this, but they don't make as big a deal about it as in the book. There's like a lot less of for being as something that tried to like sex up Dracula as much as it could. Mm-hmm. They and for trying to be as true to Dracula as it says it is, like it cuts out a lot of like the understated kind of sexuality of it. You yeah. know, of like the blood transfusions when you're reading the book, like it's like this is this is about fucking right. Like it's everyone's <laughs> clearly trying to like it's portrayed as like you know like people feel betrayed that one person gave her a blood transfusion and like mm-hmm. not them and you know and i wanted to be the only one to give her a blood transfusion and any rational person would just be like why do you care but like yeah but you know some of that tension put in where there's 
Yeah, because they have all like Lucy's suitors in that movie, but then there's not really any kind of like love triangle kind ofness between them uh-huh. that like you get in the book where, you know, like Dr. Seward wants to help his friend. Right. But he's like engaged to his ex-lover, but she's dying. Right. And right. you get kind of that sort of stuff. Like everyone's in the book, but as soon as like Lucy chooses Arthur to marry, everyone's kind of just like, well, we're just friends and we just hang out around her now. Yeah, and like, yeah. it's got to band together, kill the vampire. Yeah, and also, like, the Seward Sanitarium, like, I don't get why, like, it's this one and the Frank Langella one especially, like, it looks like a haunted house, like, I don't know, oh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, like, big and creepy and everyone's just, like, screaming in agony, I and, know. like, this this is supposed to have taken place in 1900, like, I know, like, like psychiatric facilities weren't great at the turn of the century, but I don't yeah. think it was, like, a screaming house of horrors. Yeah, it wasn't from, just like, people wandering around like aimlessly yeah. screaming and I mean like at, attacking people. I mean like yeah, asylums were bad back then but they looked more like the American horror story like asylum kind of like asylums are bad. They weren't like like a flickering like you know like like torch lit like like you know castle set. God, yeah, the Frank Langella one is super weird. Yeah, there's like a weird like tower in the middle and it's like it looks like a level from Goldeneye like it's just like a, so fucking weird. I guess we didn't talk about like Dracula's powers in this because this gets his powers a little bit more accurate to the book and I wanted to bring that up because they specifically mentioned in this that Dracula can move in the daytime which is something that I think only the book has really done but what are the rules when he's in the daytime his powers aren't as strong but he's fine out He's fine. He's fine outside. I think in this one they say he, like he's outside. He's fine like outside for short periods of time, but he's like weakened and right, his right, right. and his powers like aren't present. Yeah. So like he he just prefers to not move around in, in sunlight, and he and he has to rest in his box unless he's in his his uh, vampire yeah. rubber suit, and, and he, he does, sleeps upside down. He's able to do the mist thing. Have they? I think they've mentioned that before, but. I don't know if they've actually shown it. I think, yeah, like, uh, yeah, the, the Bela Lugosi one, I think they mentioned, like, off screen that he, like, like, like I saw a mist outside my window, right. but, like, that movie, like, everything in that movie is mentioned off screen. Right, right, right. Like, Even it, it technically happened in the movie, but, like, not really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh. But, yeah, like, so you yeah. outright see it in this one. You outright see it in this, and it <laughs> looks, it, I thought it was kind of, did you think it was kind of comical that it was, like, green, and it looked like a weird, like, fart traveling down yeah, to, like, fine. It kind of looks like a Ghostbusters. Or <laughs> like, oh, speaking of Ghostbusters, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That just reminded me because we talked about the scene where Jonathan Harker has sex with Dracula's brides uh-huh. and they come in and they and they and it's a cool scene, too, where it's like instead of them kind of like coming into the room like they do in like the one or two other adaptations where we've seen them, they kind of like pop up from the bed. Yeah. And I was so reminded of the shot of Ghostbusters when Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob from a ghost. Yeah. When the one woman pops up between Keanu Reeves' legs. It's I'm like, it's that shot. It's the weird God, ghost that, blowjob that, shot that from that Ghostbusters. Scene always just confused the hell out of me. I can never understand what was happening because the editing's also kind of weird in that. You know uh, in, I mean? in Ghostbusters? In Ghostbusters, yeah, because <laughs> they show the ghost like it so they show this is a whole <laughs> other podcast, but <laughs> but they show Ray sleeping in his bed and then yeah. it kind of does that weird dreamy effect yeah and then you see the ghost over him and then his pants get unbuttoned his pants i think get unbuttoned and, like and then you just see his face and he's just like, like but then it then it goes back to the dreamy effect and you see like him fall out of his bed or something i think that's what happens it's yeah. a weird it's like a weird like two second shot that like yeah it was but so weird when, like, it's so funny that shot because, like, when I was a kid, like, I'd only ever seen, like, Ghostbusters on TV, and that shot's, like, always cut out because it's, oh, like, weird it's for TV. Out. So it was, like, so weird when I was, like, 13, and I saw it on DVD for the first time. I was like, what the fuck is this in the middle of the movie? Like, yeah, I think also originally that was supposed, that they filmed a scene where they spend the night at a haunted house, and that's what that was actually from, and then they rewrote it to be a dream. I, I think for, like, okay. budget reasons, they couldn't actually have that as a whole scene. Yeah. But that's what that scene is all yeah. about. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. If you right. want, we could take this tangent and like turn it into like a little like YouTube clip that's like separate from the podcast and just like yeah. hacks on drag tangents, the weird blowjob scene from Ghostbusters. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It is very similar to that in Dracula. So yeah, so I guess getting back to this, uh, are there any other Dracula powers that like I haven't, that we haven't um, talked about yet? So he can, he can be out in daylight. He can... He, he drinks, he has to subside on blood like regular Dracula. And he, he grows the, young like in the book. Retractable he has, fangs. He has retract, he does have fangs in this. Yeah. He, uh, uh, 
but the dra the vampire rules are, are a little bit different in this because I think to become a vampire, like a vampire has to have bitten you and drained your blood, and you also have to have tasted their blood. Yeah, I think they say. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise because you just I, die from the bite. Yeah, because I think like Keanu Reeves was bitten or something, but because he didn't taste the blood, he was fine. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, it gets to the end of the book, and Winona Ryder does the thing from the book where she drinks Dracula's blood from his chest. In a weird scene where, like, she's, like, kind of, like, the one instigating it. Yeah. More than, like, it's, like, a violation, like, in the book. Yeah. And, and that's a whole other thing that we can talk about <laughs> later yeah, is yeah. How, the whole relationship between Mina and, and Dracula. Um, but, yeah, power-wise, I, I guess that's that's basically everything. Yeah. And or and he gets... And to kill them, you have to stake them. There's a lot of head chopping off in this. Yes. A lot of decapitated heads. If you if you like watching a good head chop, you're you're in for a treat in this because what that's how all the vampires die in this. They get I, staked and their heads get chopped off. Yeah, I think like Van Helsing chops off one of the Dracula's bride's heads. Yes. Does he just bring a sword with him? Like yeah. Because like I remember watching that scene. They all go to like take her down and like he has the stake on him, but then like he just turns around. And he just has a sword and he cuts her head off. I'm like, did you just have that the whole time with you? Like, do you just have a medieval sword in your possession, Anthony Hopkins? Like yeah, I believe sure, you do, but yeah. And he holds like the head up and everything. It looks kind of comical. Oh God, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hilarious. Let's talk about the uh, the plot, I guess, just kind of in general. I guess the big thing we've talked about a lot of stuff with the plot, and I don't mm -hmm. think it it behooves behooves of us too much to like get deep into it because we've already done this eight times. But I specifically want to talk about how this uh, one treats Dracula because again, this is treating him as a, he's a real person mm -hmm. and you have the prologue where he's fighting in the war. Winona Ryder's his fiance. Mm -hmm. um, he goes off to fight the Turks, I think. The Turks, yeah. And then his enemies spread reports of his death. Yeah, like they, they like lure him away from his castle like as a trap and he goes and he like kills this army but while he's gone, they shoot an arrow into his castle saying that he was killed in battle and then yeah. Winona Ryder, uh, who is his fiance, Elisabetta, <laughs> Uh, so distraught that she jumps from the castle and uh, kills herself. Yeah. And then Dracula gets back. Oh, talk talk about a case of a like really just you know playing phone tag and missing each other, you know. Uh, but Dracula gets back to the castle. They retrieve her body, and Anthony Hopkins as a different character, mm -hmm. like a priest or something, says like she's gone to hell. She killed herself. Yeah. And Dracula's real pissed that he's been defending God's church, and yeah. And now this shit. happened to him that he stabs a cross and it starts bleeding blood, and Which, he goes, "I denounce God." Yeah. And and uh, that whole shot is like so w weird. Like I don't understand. Like it's so just because he's is it just because his heart was in just like a fuck God mood and he stabbed the cross with no, the you sword. Didn't know when that's you what stabbed crosses they bleed. You should try it. Sometime. <laughs> and then it turns you into a vampire. <laughs> like that was so. So you can also so wait. So you can become a vampire by being bit and then drinking their blood, or if you just stab a cross with a sword <laughs> and hate God enough, you can also turn into a just vampire. Well, uh, there's, there's a lot of goth kids that should be vampires by that logic. I feel like. But Dracula's the first van. He's the first guy to try that. First guy to stab a cross and then drink the blood. Yeah, it's a combination. It's a combination you don't think to do. That's why it ma what makes him innovative, right, and that's right. how he that's how he pulled it off. Um, so yeah, so that all happens and then he screams and you get the title card saying Dracula and then most of the movies It's it's very close to the book. You know, it begins with like Jonathan Harker going off to to uh, Transylvania to do his Dracula deal mm -hmm. and this one kind of does Kind of treats Renfield like some of the adaptations where it's like Renfield was the original guy dealing with Dracula And then yeah. he goes insane and is sent back and you find out that he's kind of Dracula's slave now right, right. Whereas in the book he was more or less just like a crazy person that Dr. Seward was already treating right. And that was kind of like what his diary was about like before Dracula started happening And, he's just and then Dracula kind of uses him to get inside the sanitarium yeah, and then yeah. kills him Yeah uh, but this one, he's like the original solicitor, which is kind of like from the play Dracula. And then he goes crazy. So Keanu Reeves is put on the case and then he goes off. And then from there, structure wise, it's more or less kind of the book. Yeah, from there. Like, you know, aside from the, the changes that are made to Dracula, because again, Dracula in the book is a very absent force for most of it. And he's kind of off in the distance. And mm -hmm. I can just hear the studio heads saying like, well, we can't have a movie called Dracula. And there's no Dracula in it. Uh, I don't know why the studio head sounded like Christopher Walken when I... <laughs> Yeah. No, wow. I mean, he is in this movie early and often. Yeah, like it's because, yeah, in the book Dracula, he kind of shows up at the beginning and then he's like sent away. And then most of the movie he's or most of the book, he's kind of just like influencing things like the weather. He's got like, you know, X-Men powers. He can do that kind of stuff. He's like making letters, get places late. And he pops up every once in a while. And it's very like more like he's like a like a monster or something like yeah. a person. Oh, that that's another look that I forgot about is, uh, when he's on the boat. 
because he's like the yeah. old, but he's got like a different like kind of gown on. Yeah, and his hair is. He has down. he has a lot of outfits. He's yeah. got like he's he's like Barbara Streisand. He has a lot of <laughs> wardrobe changes that are required. Yeah. Um. Uh, but uh, the boat sequence in this is very cool too. Boat sequence in this is is very cool, and I like that they do the scene where like uh Lucy is like uh where Lucy sleepwalks out to the ship yeah. and he, like Dracula's kind of like in his wolfman yes. mode and he's like eating her awesome. and it's uh oh god it's so cool um but yeah and then from there uh this movie does what a lot of adaptations also do where uh Dracula sees a picture of uh Keanu Reeves's fiance who's played by the same actress who played his fiance who threw herself off the church and he falls in love with her mm-hmm. and he goes to London and kind of starts like stalking her and seducing her and mm-hmm. stuff and and this one feels a lot closer to the Frank Langella Dracula in that respect because as you recall when we watched the Frank Langella Dracula it's like the first adaptation of Dracula where like Dracula's like Dracula's like preyed on Mina and some of the other adaptations but that was the first one where she was kind of like mutually into it right to the point where you couldn't tell if she was being brainwashed anymore or if she was just like genuinely into Dracula yeah which you know Frank Langella was a sexy man Dracula so you could kind of <laughs> Uh, see that but yeah this one like he starts off like the first time he meets her he's kind of just like following her in public because he because mm-hmm. he gets to london on the boat and he drinks enough blood to where he's grown young and uh and then he kind of and because jonathan harker's still locked up in his castle in transylvania he's free to kind of just like you know creep on winona Ryder non-stop and yeah. he like follows her on the street and, like makes her uncomfortable and then somehow he convinces her to like go to a movie with him yeah i mean she's like really freaked out at first too yeah and he's just so charming and it's so hard to tell like yeah like what what of it's like brainwashing and what of it is like her just being into him in general yeah. like and yeah you know and it gets to the point like i said where you know they do the baptism of blood where you know dracula cuts his chest and makes her drink and at first she's like i don't want to turn you into a vampire and she's like no but i want it and then she like drink you're just like what is happening yeah and then the end of the movie is, like, such a slap in the face. Because, like, Keanu Reeves is, like... Like, I mean, I have problems with his acting in this movie. But Keanu Reeves, like, you feel like his character is a good man. And you want and you want to root for Jonathan Harker. Mm-hmm. And I keep just calling her Winona Ryder. Jonathan Harker and yeah, Nina. Whatever. But, like... Uh, but you want to, like, root for them as a couple, you know, at the beginning. You know, they're, like, you know, they're so sweet together and everything. And every Dracula adaptation ends with them kind of getting together. Right. And this one ends with, like, Dracula dying the way that he does in the book. He gets kind of his book ending where they catch his sled at the end in the snow. And they, like, mm-hmm. chop his neck. But then they go into a church and, like, him and Winona Ryder have, like, a like a final moment together. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, you know, and she's, like, crying. as he, like, turns back into a normal guy. So does and... she kind of remember, like... I guess she kind of, I, I don't it's know not, if he like unlocks memories of her past life because they have that scene where they're drinking absinthe right. together and they're talking. But it's definitely like, it's not supposed to be like just he reminds or she reminds him of his wife. It's like she's the reading. There's something all that, well, she has a couple lines like, I feel like I've known you like longer than I right, have right, and, and right. stuff like that. So yeah, so I, there, there's a little bit of that there that's drawing her to him. But, but it, still, like, what a kick in the face to Keanu Reeves. Like, Dra- Dracula, like, <laughs> you can make him the big bad of your movie, but like, it's at, at the end, he is the big bad and he has to, like, yeah. he shouldn't get a happy ending. That's like weird. Like, yeah, it's a little weird. I don't know. Poor Keanu Reeves. But no, but yeah, like, but yeah, like that was Francis Ford Coppola's whole thing is that, you know, he wanted Dracula portrayed as like a tragic figure yeah. and everything. So, so yeah, so that's like the, the, the big differences there. Um, is there anything else that you can think of that like really differs from the, the book? I mean, like, well, like no, Renfield, I mean, Renfield kind of dies like he does in the book. He yeah. he's like slammed up against the bars and everything. And that's a cool scene. I feel like it's probably like, it's going to be really hard for anyone to make a more faithful adaptation in that like i don't know it it would be almost like derivative if they if they did because this one does follow so much of it so closely well it's hard for me to think is just like after after this adaptation like what other way could you do like an adaptation of the straight dracula story where you're like innovating at this point like it feels like there's no other ways to do it where it's like it's completely its own thing and is like because at some point you're you're right it's just going to become like derivative and we've seen like it you know like the dracula movies that have come out since then i don't think there's been a big budget just like dracula that's been like dracula since then there's been like spinoffs and like dracula untold and all kinds of other weird shit that we're going to talk about in our in a podcast or two down the line 
Um, but yeah, like as far as like the big adaptations, like we're, we're going to talk about one more in our next episode where we talk about uh, Dracula Dead and Loving Itch because it's fun. And after watching all these uh, adaptations, I feel like we deserve a funny one. Yeah. And it does a good job of kind of like marrying together everything and it's funny and it's yeah. it's worth talking about. But this is like the last like big, I think, cultural just like version mm-hmm. of Dracula, I think. So, so here's an interesting question, I guess, to kind of top off this episode. What would it take, do you think, to make another version of Dracula that would stand out, that would be culturally relevant, that would tell the story of Dracula, perhaps in a more faithful way, but would also be different enough to be? Because I've been thinking in my head, like, I, I don't know if, like, another movie would work, but, like, I could definitely get behind, like, a Netflix miniseries. Well, yeah, it could, but even with that, they'd have to add a lot, I think. Like I mean, they would they? There's, it... I mean, Dracula is so dense. Like, I mean, if you made it like is. a ten episode like miniseries and just like you know. But I feel like it's also not really that long of a book. So, I don't know. They could make it as faithful as possible, but I think that might actually be kind of boring. You yeah, know? that's true. But I, it would be, it would be interesting. Like, kind of like a faithful in the way that it, the story unfolds in the book, which is basically like found footage. Like, it, yeah. like, they could maybe do something interesting with that. Yeah, like, that would be, like, or, or something where it's, like... Even without it being, like, modern, like, they could just present it as, like, a uh, documentary format. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like a, like a, yeah, like a documentary or something about Dracula almost yeah. could be, like, an interesting... Hmm. Interesting. Let's write that script. Or you could almost, yeah, like it's, you could almost kind of do like, um, did you watch like the American Horror Story Roanoke season? I didn't. Where I like gave a, up on that show after season three, I think. It's, uh, I'm not a big fan of American Horror Story. I watched just like one or two episodes of that season because I was hanging out with someone who was into it and it was just like on on demand. But, uh, but it was interesting because it was like a fake adaptation. So it was done in like the style of like one of those like, you know, like A&E shows, but it was about like this oh. fake mystery and they were kind of like unfolding everything so it's like if you're a fan of like true crime and kind of like you know yeah. how like you know like dateline and stuff kind of like frames up everything it was like that format huh. but for like scary kind of stuff like maybe something like that now i want to watch could be interesting <laughs> it, and cuba gooding jr does an okay job in oh, it god though he's in he's hot in that, water right he's now in that world now the american horror story yeah oh god is there anything else that you can think of that could that like this dracula has contributed to pop culture or anything else you want to talk about in general I mean, about this movie the design <laughs> just the design in general i think is uh like so iconic yeah oh yeah um, this movie is like beautifully shot like it's it's definitely worth what like worth your time watching i don't yeah. think it's nearly as faithful as it purports to be but it's it's worth it's worth watching yeah for its own but the thing the, the parts that are faithful are like the best yeah. i think we've gotten it, it gets what it needs to get right in every way except for the character of Dracula, I feel like. <laughs> they really fuck up Dracula physically, but but as we've said before, like, Dracula in the book, like, is kind of different. So it's, you know, this... For them trying to balance, like, what a studio expects a Dracula movie to be versus, like, what literary nerds want a Dracula movie mm-hmm. to be, like, they, they do a good job of finding a happy medium, I feel like. They do the best job, I think, so yeah, far. Yeah, definitely. There's a whole section in the Wikipedia article for this movie just about Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> and, man, people really went after him. Yeah, I'll people just read, didn't like it. I'll read a, uh, a couple quotes here. This was from Josh Winning from Total Film. <laughs> He uh, listed it in uh, 50 performances that ruin movies. He wrote, you can visibly see Keanu attempting not to end every one of his lines with dude. The result, a performance that looks like the young actors perpetually constipated, (laughs) painful for all parties. Oh, come on. I feel bad for Keanu. Well, just goes to show you, kiddies, you can you can do a, a job in a movie that makes people unhappy and you can still grow up to someday become like a weird Internet cult hero. Because we're but all why, in the middle of, like, Keanu Reeves worship. Yeah, but I understand, like, why now? I haven't seen John Wick 3 yet, um, but the first two are great. Yeah, I and think it's just he's just, like, generally nice, and I guess I people are just, it. like... Everyone's, like, a piece of shit, been revealed to be a piece of shit. <laughs> it's kind of like why people have, like, a weird obsession with Tom Hanks now, too. Like, it's yeah. just that kind of thing where it's just, like... Like, thank God we still have, like, good... Just, like, wholesome men. people who... Yeah. One of those things. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He, he's so he's so endearing that people don't even give him shit for his weird patchy beard that he has. <laughs> like I love he's you, Keanu, be... but can you can you go back to like Matrix looking Keanu, like yeah, short hair? Chill. Like I, I don't like hobo Keanu. Um, yeah, and he's gonna be in uh, Bill and Ted three. They're filming it right now. Yeah, I'm actually excited about because Bill and Ted's bogus journey. 
It's better than the first one, I think. Yeah, it's like the only comedy sequel that is as good, if not better. And actually, I do think it's better because I watched the first one recently and like the third act of that movie is really stupid. <laughs> yeah, once you get to like when they have to like start fixing all the time anomalies, like yeah, it's it kind of starts falling apart a little bit. Yeah, but Bogus Journey. Yeah, like Bill Sadler plays death in it and he's yeah. going to come back. And... It's great. It's great. All right. I think well, the third one will be amazing too. Totally. I think we've covered it all. So yeah, so as we've said on our next episode, we're going to talk about uh, Dracula Dead and Loving at the Mel Brooks 1998 comedy that where he kind of does his young Frankenstein on Dracula and we kind of, he mishmashes up a couple adaptations in some interesting ways and Mm -hmm. there's some good jokes and some, some good humor and uh, we'll have some laughs. We'll have some cries, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, So, uh, so yeah, so from us here at Hacks on Drac, uh, I want to say thanks for listening and uh, good evening. evening.